You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So, all right, so we're going to, uh, I'm going to Luke 10 today. I know this is the week that um, you're going to be reading or you're catching on the back end of it. Either way, there's a, there's a scripture that is this week that they use in the book in Matthew, but I'm going to use Luke because, and there's a reason why I'm doing it, so... Uh, you can use Matthew when you study this week. But just turn to Luke 10. Uh, a couple things I'll share with you before I go uh, there. Just turn to Luke 10 and verse 25. That's where we'll start. But, I, you know, I wanted to share. I know many of you are asking me uh, different questions, and I'll do my best to, to clarify what I can for you guys that, that know uh, about our friends, uh, Jim and Bonnie, um, the heart. And so uh, so for uh, years, um, Jim and Bonnie, they were, well, I mean, God. Man, I didn't know it was going to be so hard. Anyway, <clears throat> Jim, when I first started, you guys probably don't know this. Some of you know, but many of you don't. Haley and I know because of what we were dealing with when we started ministry. Uh you know, there's so many people. I can't tell you how many people. They're criticizing everything we did. When we first started, we were taking a church on, and all we were trying to do is just do our best. I remember there's so many people. Oh, thanks, brother. This Terry is one of our elders. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, Terry. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I should have had Haley do this. <laughs> oh, man, I thought I got through it a little bit. <clears throat> But we, uh, I remember him coming to preach before he became a missionary in Guatemala. At this time, he was in a ministry position in a role, and he was um, teaching uh, churches how to become mission-sending organizations. And uh, so my role at that time, I was not a pastor, my role at that time was to establish a missions uh, outreach in our church. We had hardly any missionaries at that time, the only people that we were uh, somewhat supporting that were global <laughs> was Tim and Carolyn Clark, which we, which we still do, wonderful friends of ours. And so, but Jim came in and showed, and he, my job was to create a missions organization or missions outreach uh, in our church. And I had no idea how to do that. I didn't go to school for that. All the missionary uh, people that were in our college, they were over here on the fringes, you know. They were like going to eat bugs and all that stuff. I was like, I'm not doing that. So I was like... You know, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I didn't go to the pastors <clears throat> part of the thing because I thought pastors are boring. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be that either. So uh, I found myself in kids and youth and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, this will be great. But when Jim came in, we had, again, like I said, we just had so many different naysayers about everything. And it's not our, wasn't anything we did. It's just the situation was what it was. And I remember him standing up in the pulpit and he gave a word. It changed my whole concept on being a pastor. And it was, it was a prophetic word. He just stood up and said some things. And it was directly to me. Like, I knew it. But it just, it was almost like, you know, God will silence your enemies for you. You don't have to, you don't have to say anything. The Lord will do it. And I mean, when it, it, it fired, man, after, it just changed my whole outlook on being a pastor when I came into the church, but he taught me how to establish missions organizations. So all the missionaries we have out there and what we do, Jim taught, he's the one taught me how to establish and set up how do you take care of them. 
Don't spread your stuff. You know, maybe you wonder, well, why do we only have just the ones we have? Because if you spread yourself so thin, you can't help as much as you think you can. Better to focus your efforts on a few and infuse them with greater resources than spread it out and give them 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. It's better to give them more because they can count on it more. They can do more. It's more, um, it's just better for the missionaries. So anyway, um, I remember in 2009, he said to me, he says, hey, Pastor Jody, I'll talk to you about Guatemala. I said, okay, what about what? He said, we're going to move to Guatemala. I was like, why? Dude, you got a cush job. You go to churches and like you get to share about how to do this. You don't have to go eat bugs. Why do you want to go back and eat bugs? Like, you know, you got it made. He's like, you know, with tears in his eye, I can't. We just can't get it out of our, you know, out of our heart. He said, we're going to go move over there. And I'm just asking, would you help send us over? I was like, brother. I will send you in a heartbeat. I ain't got any money, but I will figure it out. So over the years, uh, he was our, one of our first ones overseas outside of a few. This, he was one of our first really that we targeted and said, okay, how do we do this? You know, many of you, if you haven't been here in, in but a short time, you wouldn't know all this stuff. But uh, you know, we built the first thing we did there. We were supporting him but and Bonnie, but they lived in a, uh, they did not have a home really there. They were just. I don't know how you call it in Guatemala. You all have to understand, it's like the wild, wild west over there, okay? Literally. And if you're from Guatemala, I'm not being insensitive. They will tell you the same thing, depending on where you're at, especially where they were. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like the wild, wild west, baby. Think Tombstone. That's what it was like. That's what it is like. And uh, in certain pockets, not everywhere, but it's just very, you think your government's got issues. Uh, there's things there. You get pulled over there. Um it's not like, hey, go pay your fine. It's like, how much is it going to cost me to move on? It's, you negotiate right there. There is no, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just different, totally different. And uh, don't try that here. <laughs> it won't go well for you. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so they go over there. I remember him talking about me wanting to do this. And, and uh, the first thing we did, he said, hey, can you help us build a water well? These people have no water. I was like, they have no water? He's like, yeah, they have no water. He said, man, if we can give them the fresh, clean water, then... You know, we're going to tell them it's from Jesus. And so they did, we did, I mean, this church you guys paid for and built a water well, one of the first ones in the villages. And so the village, and where they speak is Kachi. It's not, it's not Spanish like what you hear around here. This is, it's a dialect. It's completely different. And uh, anyway, um, they, so they did this well. And um, I remember uh, Shelly Burkhalter was here at the time before she went to California to go get, you know, more smart than she already is. She had to go get more numbers and letters behind her name than she already kind of had. But uh, she went over there to help dedicate. I couldn't make it. She went over to help dedicate the well. And uh, we saw a picture. I tried to find them, but <clears throat> told the whole village. So the village comes around, like, asking why. Now they got clean water, not just to wash their clothes, to drink. So they wanted to know, why would you do this? And Jim told them, because Jesus loves you. And because Jesus sent us here to give you fresh water. And before long, a pastor is able to be set up. People start coming to Christ in these little villages. And then he came along and says, hey, you know, Pastor Jody, it would be great if uh, we could build a church. Well, how much does a church cost? And I remember telling me, like, it was like 25000 Now, I'm going to share something with you that I probably never shared. I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. Um, and I'm, I'll keep the names off the table because it wouldn't be right. <clears throat> But at that time, if you remember, if you were here, we didn't have the 
we needed to do some stuff in our buildings. We were, it was a, needed some serious work. And we didn't have enough money to do what we needed to do. And so we talked about it as elders and we brought it before the church. Said, hey, we don't have enough to do what we want to do. Why don't we go help them do what they need to do? And uh, it's going to cost us 25000 but I think we could do it. And so we all came together. We did it. And I remember the, we gave him the money. He was on the phone, you know, like Pastor Jody, wow, this is crazy. I was like, yeah, man. Uh, you know, hey, we just want to see God move. I can't remember how long it took after that, but it was a very short amount of time. When I say a short amount of time, I mean a very short amount of time. Somebody came, and you wouldn't know them, so don't try and figure it out, okay? Somebody came to Haley and I, invited us to lunch. They sat across from the table with us and said, we want to cut a check for the church. And it was a big check. It was a six-figure check. That we basically did that chapel renovations. It was in such a disarray. We did that over there with cash. It was not 25000 that we gave to that church to build. It was 250000 Now, I'm going to tell you something. This ain't a TV preacher up here. I ain't a televangelist. I don't have slick hair, and I don't have any slick things to give you to tell you. I ain't got water from the back of the well in Israel. I ain't trying to give you no flaxseed oil or whatever else they do. And I'm not being mean when I say that. I'm just honest. All right? I've been there. I've been to Israel. Water out of the Jordan's water out of the Jordan. All right? Get it if you want, whatever. But I'm just telling you, I'm not doing this to get anything out of this. I'm telling you the goodness and the mercy of God. That there is seed in the ground over there in Guatemala. And our friends, they told us, they said, we'll die over there. We're not coming back. Like, they burned the ships, baby, you know. Like, and I'm telling you, they would not change one thing. And it's sad for me, it's sad for him. It's, it's heartbreaking, you know. But I'll tell you one thing, he would say, and so would Bonnie, they wouldn't change a thing. They were more happy on an airplane than you would have ever thought. I mean, like, it, you'd have thought that if it was kids, you'd give them 100,000 packs of Skittles. I mean, they were just crazy excited, and they wouldn't change a thing. And um, so they're going, you know, obviously they're with the Lord, and they're rejoicing. But their kids are having to pick up, obviously, the pieces and try to work things out. So what are they going to do? I don't know. Just pray for Carrie. Pray for Chris. That's their kids. Um, She'll go over there and try to work through some stuff. Again, it's the Wild West over there. I don't know. But the crazy thing is what we were going to show you is this picture right here is them. So this is breaking ground on what we were about to talk to you about. And uh, I'd just been talking. We were going over there this year. Like I'd already had, we and I have been talking about we were going to take a trip. I was going to take, I was working on getting it set up. And, uh, but this is the Kachi Bible Institute. Just broke ground. Just broke ground. And I want to show you the classroom that was built. And I say that because you're part of this because the, we would give to them, but they would give half of it away. They just crazy generous, man. This is the school. And you think, oh, look at that. That's like a school in America. Yeah, but there's a big difference in this school versus the ones here in America. You can find these a dime a dozen in America. You ain't going to find that over there. Those kids in that village, when they see that right there, all they think is, this whoever this Jesus is, is the man. Because no one's ever done this for us before. And they come to Jesus 
everywhere. They worship him. They serve him. And that whole area, you have, through their ministry that we have been a part of for all these years, since 2009, I'm telling you, there's a region in Guatemala called the Patan region. You can look it up. That whole area has been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that because I want you to hear that investments in the kingdom really are what matter in life. They don't, they could care less what they had they, in life. They wanted to advance the kingdom. And so they'll do services for them this weekend coming up and we'll give you updates after that. I wanted to talk to you about some other stuff, but I, I, it's hard because, you know, with this, um, but on the back end, I think if Jim were here, he'd be like, you know, Hey man, tell them what we're doing. Like, you know, like he'd be, he'd be fired up about it. Uh, but we have some of their messages online. You can go back and listen to some. I encourage if you're a mom in here, uh, and you struggle with a relational, uh, with a re- relationship with one of your kids, go back and listen to last year's mom's day. Um, when Bonnie was preaching, she's very transparent about her kids and what the Lord is doing and asked for prayer. And it was just a very heartfelt message, but, um, you know, they'll be missed man tremendously. So anyway, I, I just wanted you to know, um, a deep friends of mine and, um, uh, but he would, if he was here, he would want me to tell you this. So I switching gears, okay. Switching gears best I can. But, um, so next time I'll be here Sunday coming up, but that Monday, so pastor Victor and I will be going out of country. Um, this is not a missions trip for the whole church. This is something uh, specific for us that we're doing because some friends of ours, they're, they're building a retreat over in Scotland and it's for pastors and leaders and uh, ministers over there. So where they are in Scotland, less than 2% of the people there have faith in Christ. So you want to talk about America and all this kind of stuff here, they say we're 80% Christian. Eh, I don't know about that, but, but let's just call it 50%. Let's say half of us are. That's a whopping number compared to less than 2%. Scotland's almost an unreached people group again. It's crazy to even think that, that out of there came revival and brought much of what you have today came from that area. Um, it's, it's nuts to think that it would be the equivalent of America being less than 2% Christian and other nations of the world coming back to evangelize America, which it is happening by the way, but nonetheless, um, so we're going over there to help build out this, uh, this retreat center. Pastor Victor is going to help us as well. We're going to help knock them out all these rooms as best we can, as fast as we can. Another team's coming in after that to help. But then my family, Haley and the kids are coming over after that. We're going to take some time to pray over there and spend a couple of weeks over there as a family um, and just visit with some people. We're going to walk. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord, you know, what can we do to help change less than 2% gospel presence in Scotland? God, what, you know, this whole thing of this, this study right here, the main thing you would hear is what? Look around. See where God's at work. And figure out how you can help him do his work. Not help him, that sounds weird, but join him in his work, right? So we're going to pray and ask the Lord, like, what can our church do? What can we do as a church? Can we make an impact? Can we change what's going on there? And um, anyway, so that's what we're going to do. And I just, so do you, you know, as you're sending Pastor Victor, uh, you're not, because we're staying over there as a family a little bit, you're not, the church isn't, you're not sending us, we're paying for that person. The Haggerty family is covering our costs. <laughs> in case you're wondering, like, well, y'all going on a vacation? Well, no, we're paying for it. Don't worry about it. So, um, we got vacation time, so we're paying for ours, but y'all are sending pastor Victor because he's given up work. Um, he's, you know, he's given up his trade. He works half his time as a contractor and half the time as a pastor. He's given up money. He could be making here in town to go and build out the ministries over there. So y'all are covering him. So pray for, uh, and I, you know, uh, we want to make sure he's covered. That's a, a supportive thing. I don't want him losing income. So anyway, just want to let you know that. And, um, 
Y'all just be praying for us about that, and man, we want to change that. Less than two percent is unacceptable in a place where they speak the same language as you. It's one thing if you can't speak if you can't speak Kachi. I can't do much personally about Kachi. I can't talk to people. You know, I don't even. I could barely do English in Georgia. You know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, in a place where they speak English, where the gospel of Jesus Christ, most of us have been impacted by that region. And now it is a void of Jesus Christ there. I, something has to be done about that. We, I just can't imagine that staying the way that it is. So anyway, uh, we're going to go and pray and see how our church, how can we do, what can we do to help? So anyway, I want to let you know about that. So Luke chapter 10, here we go. Let's move on. And, um, anyway, I think that's all I had to share on that. Yeah. Yeah. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. All right. And um, this is the... The idea that in your, in your text this week as you read through it is God pursues a loving relationship with you. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants a relationship with you. Okay, But Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, the scriptures say, And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? Funny question, I think, Jesus. How does it read to you? Hmm. Um, verse 27, and the reason I say this is because in Deuteronomy, I'll read that in a moment. This guy added some more stuff to it. He said, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this is the part he added, with all your mind. In Deuteronomy, it just says, you know, with your heart, soul, and strength. But this guy throws in mind. It's interesting. Um, which I think is a good thing. It helps to explain more. But nonetheless, and he said, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to this guy, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. He was done. Like, guy was off the hook. Jesus didn't call him a viper. He didn't call him you brood of snakes. He didn't. This joker was good to go, but he just couldn't leave it alone. You know what I'm saying? So then he says, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That, you know, you almost see Jesus walking off and be like, mm, you just couldn't leave it there, could you? You just, you just couldn't leave it alone, right? He was in a real good path until he stepped too far. And this isn't the topic of the message today, but I just want you to think about it. It's very interesting to me. This scholar chose to move from himself to the other person. He started out with me, God, what must I do? And after Jesus you know, said, answer me, what do you think it is? He said, after that, well, what about my neighbor? Who, who's my neighbor? And trying to justify himself. And this guy, by the way, when he reads a lawyer, he's talking about a, a scholar of the law of Moses. He's not referring to, like, you know, Glenda on the billboards out there or whatever y'all see down the roads. That's not what he's talking about. It's, this is, he's a scholar in the law of Moses. But I, I just want to hear something before we, before, God's more interested in you personally and relationally with you personally than he is your neighbor. Like, hear me, I, I mean that sincerely. He's really more concerned about a relationship with you than he is about the relationship you're concerned with your neighbor. Because it's really not about your neighbor. The the context is first, love the Lord your God first. If that's right, your neighbor will have a good relationship with you. But if God's not first, if he's not right, your relationship's not going to have a, you're not going to have a great relationship with your neighbor. And why are we so consumed with what our neighbors are doing? Like, you know, well, they don't read their Bible enough. Why are you worried about that? Why don't you read your Bible? You know, it's like Jesus said, hey, listen, before you go plucking that splinter out of somebody else's eye, you ought to mind, but get that log out of your own. You know, you keep swatting people down with it, sticking right out. 
It's funny though, isn't it right? We'll look at neighbors all the time. Let's just be honest. We're Christians here. Can we just be honest this morning? We, you and I do the same. You're driving down the road. Somebody passes you on the way to church in the morning. You think, well, look at them just speeding down the road, you know? But you won't say a thing to yourself the day before when you were the guy passing. Why? Because it feels good to look at them and say, well, they're speeding. Or live, oh, you know what, they should have stopped for that stuff. They don't stop at that stop sign up here. They just roll through. And what you're really frustrated is because they didn't get a ticket and you did. I mean, nope, I don't see the last time anybody in this room was driving down the road knowing you were speeding. Pull yourself over. Call 911 and say, I need an officer here. Why? Because I was speeding. I need to be corrected. Nobody does that. Because we like to justify ourselves, but condemn the other. And Jesus is saying, stop worrying about other people. If we start with me, then my other friends will be taken care of. Because he wants the relationship with you. Not your thoughts about them. Well, God, you don't know what they did. Yeah, he does really knows. He knows what they did. He really does. But he's more concerned about you and your relationship with him. And so when we move the spotlight off of God or off of us and God, it's easy to start looking at other people. And when we don't have a personal relationship with God, watch this, it causes us to look at other people. If I don't have a good walk with the Lord, I'm telling you, it's easy to look at other people. It just is. My relationship with the Lord is the most important thing. And in the scriptures, you'll find this. I was looking up through my software trying to, and and there's a lot of different times where this happens, but there's over 845 references of conversation between individuals and God. Dialogue. Not thus saith the Lord, only God speaking. I mean dialogue. Jesus in the gospels, more than half of that number comes from the gospels of communication. Obviously, we say, well, okay, he was human. Of course he was. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he also said, where I go, you know what? I'm going to send the helper and the confidant. He'll be for you just as I am right now with you. He'll be the same thing to you when I'm gone. So if, if I'm just saying, if Jesus, if you see the example of Jesus over 400 times almost, communicating, having dialogue with people, then God the Father and God the Holy Spirit wants to have dialogue with you. It's the same thing. You can't look at Jesus and say, well, you know, Peter got to talk to him because he was you know, human. That's not fair. Because that's to say that the work that Jesus did as a man, coming down from heaven as a man, limited in his scope of where he could be, confined to humanity, to the space of, of a body, you're saying that when he was doing that, that's greater than now that the Holy Spirit's available to live in you, dwell in you, be with you everywhere you go and have a conversation. You're saying it was greater then than it is now. And Jesus said, greater works you'll do than I do. If it was so great, he would have never left. And think about this for a moment. Just think about this for a moment. Out of the 8 billion or whatever they say we have now on the population of the planet, how would it be possible for Jesus to even minister to them? I mean, you, take a ticket, please. You know, start at two years of age, you'd be like 183 before you got a chance to talk to Jesus. If then. And you probably only get two seconds with him. Huh? You know, bye. Hi. You know, it's so much better you have him with you right now. Yeah. <clears throat> But he wants that personal relationship with you. So let me put this on the screen for you real quick, the, uh, the seven realities, so you can see this. I'll get my little tool again because I love this so much. <laughs> so awesome. But number two right there, right? God desires or pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. 
It is not about religion. It's about relationship. So just for a few minutes this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about this relationship because it is real and it is personal. If it's not, then we... We're here this morning, we're watching on broadcast this morning for reasons that really don't make sense. Religion is unfulfilling. Why would we be doing it if it was for religion? It's for relationship. And this verse that the lawyer quoted, it started in the Old Testament. So I'm going um, to read this to you from Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, and then we'll go forward, okay? So it says, now this is the commandment that the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 1. This is the reference that the, 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 the lawyer, the scholar of Moses' law, this is where he was referring to, back to the law of Moses. Remember, they didn't have the gospels when this was being, what you have now, they didn't have. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the epistles. All they had was the law of Moses and the prophets, Psalms, maybe a few other things. But they didn't have a lot in comparison to what you have. So he says, verse 1, This is the commandment that statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it might be well with you, and that you might multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Then he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Don't have time to talk about that, but that's a very interesting topic there. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These words which I'm commanding you today <clears throat> shall be in your heart. Now watch what he does next. He, he's not switching gears. He is still talking about the same thing. You shall teach them. Teach what? You teach my word to who? Your family. Teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a frontal on your forehead. If you ever see... Uh, the Wailing Wall, if you'll ever look pictures and see you know, guys praying like this, they're doing like this a lot of times. If you ever look, they have little prayer boxes on their arms. Sometimes they put it on their hat or on their head. You wonder what that is. Why? They, this is what they get this from. They, they literally take and they bind the Word of God. It's a leather thing they bind around and does things. And it's, they have a different, they, they have, you may think, well, they're wrong. Okay, and I'm not going to go around and wear one of these things either on my head or whatever. You may think it's wrong. You may think it's just not necessary. But I'm going to tell you, they have a different level of respect for God that we have. They just do. And you may not agree with it, but you have to appreciate the respect that they have for the things that represent God. How about that? I, I think. So he says, though, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn sisters which you did not dig. Have you noticed how many things you didn't do? Can we just all agree the grace and the mercy of God is why we have anything that we have this morning? You know what I'm saying, right? It's just Jesus. and Thank God for it. But all these good things which you did not fill. This is my prayer right here, God, because I have plowed some ground at our place. I'd love it to run into something like this. Stuff you didn't plant, stuff you didn't dig, and it's growing everywhere. Thank you, Jesus, man. That's a great prayer. 
But these are vineyards and olive trees which you didn't plant, and you will eat and be satisfied. And then watch yourself, though. Watch verse 12. That you do not forget the Lord who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Why would he put all of this in context? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, just briefly. This relationship with God is personal and it's real, but there are so many things out there that affect that relationship that are constantly trying to pull me away from him. And the question that that Jesus asks this guy, in a sense, and the question I think I want to ask myself and all of us here this morning is this, do I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength? That's a really good question to ask this morning. And from these verses, it reveals something to each of us in our relationship with God. So that's what we're going to look at in each one of these a little bit, okay? The first one, this is something we use from time to time. I've preached this maybe a few times. I can't remember. But um, when people ask me questions about uh, a walk with the Lord, these are some things I always kind of go back and look at. First of all, it's in my faith. In my walk with God, in my relationship, well, where am I at in my faith with God? I'm not talking about asking God for stuff. I'm not talking about you praying to get something from God. I'm talking about a communication with the Lord. A relationship. How is my relationship with God? Because my faith is not a religion. It is a relationship. My faith is not a Sunday morning experience. It's a relationship. I, you know, I told you this before, but with my kids, I, we don't do what we do because we're pastors. That's a vocational term, if you will. It is in the Bible, but let's just be honest. It is a term used as a vocation. I'm not doing what I do because I'm a pastor. Drop that like a hot potato quick, man. I'm in relationship with Jesus. That's why I pastor. <laughs> There's a totally two different applications right there. And everything I have and everything that you have is because of that relationship with God. And I was reminded about that this week. So I had a guy come out to the farm and um, had a piece of equipment that we've been trying to you know, unload and don't need it anymore and just looking over it and this and that and the other. And this is what <laughs> he looks at me. He's a business guy, smart, smart cat, you know what I mean? And he looks at me and goes, uh, does very well in business. He looks at me and goes like, you know, <laughs> he says, I know that you don't have all that you have because you're a preacher. I said, what? He said, there is no way you can have what you have and work as a pastor. And I started laughing. I thought, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's the blessing of the Lord. No doubt about it. He said, because I know. Because preachers don't make that much money. He said, there's no way you can do what you do and have what you have. I said, you're absolutely right. It's the grace and the mercy, and I don't apologize for it one bit. It's the blessing of the Lord, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you something, it doesn't go for preaching, it goes for you too. When was the last time you turned around and said, it's not by the company, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord that I have what I have. That you told your children, mom and dad, we don't drive this car because we're so smart, honey. It's because Jesus has blessed our socks off, man. That's why we have what we have. See, why are you so grumpy me saying this? Why are you giving me attitude right now? I feel it. Why? Why does that bother you? Is that offensive to you or something? Why? Why? I feel it, man. What are you so tense about? You can you are you do you think your company is blessing you? Do you feel like it's your wallet that is so powerful? Do you feel like somehow because your job is so static and secure, you think it is? 
It's not static. It's not secure. You better think. Listen, at some point, why are we not saying it's Jesus anymore? Why do we think we're so smart? Well, look how I got a degree. Uh, you did? Let me just be honest about them, those degrees we have. Did, were you really that good in school? Come on, let's be honest. All the smart people in the room, let's be honest. Were you that smart? How many late nights did you stay up cramming for that test and you just got out of there? I passed. And you want to cut on me? No. I want the one that aced everything that like, you know, but we all know how it works. If it weren't for the grace and mercy of God, you wouldn't have anything. The air that you breathe, the things that you have right now, everything that the Lord is the one that had blessed you in every area of your life. And I just think it's important to remind our kids and ourselves of that, that it is not because your mom and dad is so smart. And this business guy reminded me, <laughs> it's cracking me up going, I know you can't have what you have. And I thought, I ought to be offended. But then I thought, you know what? He's right. The Lord has blessed us tremendously, and I don't apologize for it. We have had more done for us in our lives. If I told you half of what God has, did, has done for us that did not come from a salary, you would be blown away. And I make no apologies for it. It's the blessing of the Lord. He's the one that makes rich and has no sorrow to it. Can I get an amen? amen. Do y'all agree? Yeah. Okay, I just wondered. It felt like, like I, I just can't believe you'd say that. Like I feel like, like what's up, man? Like we good? Y'all, y'all need some like stretching or what? Like I don't know. But here's what I told him though. Check this out. I said, but you know what? Here's the deal. None of this stuff matters though. doesn't matter. If one thing this week is, is reminding me of, life is short. It's nothing but a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. James taught us that, and we ought to believe it and listen to it. Because God did not, and this is in your book this week when you read, but God didn't create you <clears throat> for time. He created you for eternity. And this stuff here is temporary. It's temporary. Stuff that we have, you know, it'll be gone one day. Somebody else will get that farm and they'll look at it and think, what was this idiot doing out here? I mean, what was he doing at that time? I mean, he planted this stuff. Why did he put that here? Didn't he know that they'll criticize everything we did and they'll talk about this and whatever and they'll have different ideas, different plans, and they'll think they have established something. Wow, look what we've done. Not realizing that time is running out. And God didn't create him for time, created him for eternity. It was a funny thing to hear, but it reminded me, the Lord has blessed us true, but it's not those things that really matter. It's the relationship with God because he didn't create me for time. He created me for eternity. And sometimes we find it difficult to focus on this relationship because of time. And I don't mean like the present. I mean the past. We were singing some songs earlier, and I can't remember the names, but some of the songs we were talking about, like how God overcomes the shame in our life. He helps us to, to move on, helps us deliver, break chains, those kind of things. It really is true. And it's important to remember this, that Paul dealt with the same kind of thing. And if your relationship with God, if, it's, if you feel constricted right now in your relationship with the Lord because of something back here or because of something that's happened in your life on this earth, it's time to move on. And so Philippians, Paul said this is what he, after giving out his resume of everything he could do and everything he was and everything that he had and all these different things. In Philippians 3.12, he says, you know what? 
I'm going to tell you about my resume, my pedigree. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Is anyone an Israelite? Oh, let me tell you, I'm an Israelite, baby. He was just going through everything. And he says, not that I have already obtained this or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I might lay hold of that which is also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Then he says, brethren, verse 13, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But this one thing I do. Watch this this morning. This one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me. And I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This stuff back here is shame, it's guilt, it's condemnation, it's mistakes, it's whatever. And Paul would say to you, just like he said in Philippians, I'm not going back there. That was the old me. He's dead. Now, it took a lot of convincing. Like, if you was a you know, former axe murderer, I'm probably going to let you come over and babysit my kids. And no matter how much you tell me you love Jesus. I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I found Jesus. Yeah, but you was an axe murderer. I'm not trusting my babies in your care until, you know, like, I, I'm still not sure I'm going to put my babies in your care. Because you was an axe murderer. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, all that crazy, ah, crazy stuff from the 80s. Remember those guys? I don't care. You can worship every Sunday, fall on the floor, cry, anoint with oil. You're still an axe murderer. You're not watching my kids. Paul was basically that. He killed and murdered Christians by the boatloads. And then he had to convince everyone that he had changed. Now, can I ask you, have you ever had to feel like you're constantly convincing people you're not who you once were? Like, it doesn't matter how long you do. You can sit for hours and tell them, I know that's what I did, but that's not me anymore. Like, that, that's the old me. I, you're right. I did every bit of that. That's me. But that's not me anymore. Have you found yourself having to convince people that I'm just not there? That's not me. I'm new. I'm different. I'm changed. It comes with time. It comes with trust. But in all of that, that does not mark you in your relationship with God. Jesus is not looking at your past. Nothing. Not one thing. Even if you was an axe murderer, he's not. If you've come to faith in Christ, you may deal with some consequences here, but I'm telling you, he's not looking back. He's not going over here digging up stuff. That's my father always say, digging it up, smell it, put it back. Dig it up, smell it, put it back. You know. He's not back here. I hate to tell you this. He's right here. And he's looking ahead with you. Right now. And he cares more about where you're going than where you was. I know that's not good English, but there you go. I'll see, I'll see if that works in Scotland. I don't know. Probably can't understand me. I can't understand them sometimes either. So, But Paul had a status. Now watch this. He had a status. He had a past. He had a reputation. He had followers. He had those who feared. Watch this. If status isn't that important to us, then why post? Oh, come on. I'm, yeah, I'm going to mess with some. I'm going to, yeah. If it's not, if it doesn't matter, why post it? If you don't care, why, why say anything? Paul had status. He wanted people to know, this is my status. I got status. He wanted people to know that he had a reputation. If reputations, if they don't matter, then why defend it? I'm just being honest. I mean, if it doesn't matter who is following me, then why do I look back to see who's back there? How many followers do I have? How many? If it doesn't matter, 
then why do all these things? Because we're so busy looking at our neighbor, we forget it's really not about our neighbor and God. It's about us and God. That's what really matters. And when, if, if Paul can move on from his past, my goodness, the stuff that you read about with him, then you and I can move on in our past and move forward in our faith with Christ. And regrets in time, let me just tell you, they're not going to matter in eternity. They're not. What you did here, the regrets you have, it's not going to matter in eternity. God's looking ahead. Sin in time, sin that you have committed here, it's not going to matter in eternity anyway, so why carry it now? If, if it doesn't matter to him, then why is it bothering us so bad? Because we're so busy worried about what you think about me. Well, I don't want them to think, well, who gives a rip what they think? I'm more worried about what he thinks. He's the standard, not my neighbor. So, this is funny. This came right after what Peter was talking to with Jesus. <clears throat> Let's, let me read this to you from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up one here before I go to that verse. What matters in your relationship with God is more than anything else is, is, is you and God. So let me go to this next one here, is, is your family. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, <clears throat> this is when God shifts. It looks like he shifts gears, but he's not. He's first talking about you and your faith, your relationship with him. And then he goes horizontal. He starts talking about your family. So he says in Deuteronomy 6, 7, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, the word, to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit down in your house. Now look at the personal, look at the relationship here. First of all, have a relationship with God because here's why. You've got to teach them to your kids when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This, guys, is personal relationship with your family. Now, I'm glad our kids are going to collide. They're going to go, and thank you for praying for our kids. Thank you for today picking up a brace on the way out and praying for these students. Thank you for that. But your church is not the parental guidance for your kids. That's your responsibility. It's not mine. It's not my wife's. It's not Pastor Stevens. It's not Pearl's. It's not any. It is your responsibility to raise up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We are echoes. And we'll do everything we got. We'll give it 100%, man. We'll give it all we got. But I'm telling you, when it comes down to everything and it boils down to the essence of it all, it's about your relationship with God and that relationship permeates your family. And it, it must and your family matters in this relationship with God. And so I was talking to another pastor this week about this. We were talking about some of the demands and different things on, on ministry. And so um, as we were talking, I said, you know, let me ask you a question. I said, in, in the scope of everything that matters, what's going to matter more? Is it going to matter the church? Is it going to matter more or is it your family? So I'm going to ask you that question this morning. What's more important in a church or a pastor, or a minister. Is it, is it more important that the church does well, or that his family does well? What do you think? Mighty quiet in here this morning. It's family. What will it matter if the church does well, but he sacrifices his family? Why would it matter if a church is great, but he has no time with his family? The Lord wouldn't be getting into that. So yeah, but it, there's a cost you got to pay. Baloney. There's nowhere in Bible you'll find nowhere in Scripture does God ever tell you give up your family for His cause. Now you might say Jesus said, "Leave your family, leave your mom." Like, yeah, that's true. 
Personally, you'll have to deny yourself, and it might cost you a family relationship because they don't agree with you, sure. But there's nowhere you're going to find a scripture where it says, leave your kids, leave your wife, leave them hanging out when they're young like that. Now, when they're out of your house, they may not agree with you. That's different stories. But when they're under your care, there's no sacrifice there that says, give up your family for the cause of God and talk about how good. That is not right. You say, well, can you prove that? Of course I can. But let me just give it to you out of Timothy. We, so as we were talking about this, uh, it reminded me of this in 1 Timothy 3.5. There's a list of things that a minister is required to do. But watch this. 1 Timothy 3.5 says, if a man doesn't know how to manage his own house, how can he take care of the church? So ask again, what's more important, the church or the family? Family. Because if he can't take care of his family, he can't take care of the church. Which is why when, you know, I was telling this guy, I was like, this is why you can't let people... Get angry with you. you. Don't take it personal when you have to say, no, you can't be somewhere. Somebody says, well, why can't you come to my recital? Because my kid has one. I either have to sacrifice your kids or my kids. Which one? I'm gonna, you're, Sorry, I'm going to my kids. Yeah, but I just you ought to come to my ball game. Well, I'll try. I'll do my best. But I got three kids. And one of them's driving. Oh, Jesus. She told me yesterday she about hit an old lady across the street. God have mercy. Y'all better pray for me. Take two bracelets for me, please. She was cracking me up because she said, Dad, it wasn't my fault. I said, that's what everybody says. But literally she told me, though, it really wasn't. I mean, they, she was in a blind spot. She wasn't where she was supposed to be. Hey, baby. She was in a spot she wants to be in. <laughs> She's walking her dog. <laughs> and so Julie Kate wanted to know about the dog. How about the dog? And I thought, it was a person and a dog. The person needs to be okay first. But anyway, oh my gosh. Anyway, pray for me. Okay, take extra bracelets for me. What's more important though, the church or the family? I'm telling you, for a pastor, for a minister, it's their family. If that family's not right, then you can't, you can't effectively minister in a church. And that's just the most important thing. Um, and here's the other side of this. I, I made that point for a reason. Sometimes you have to sacrifice something. Can I just encourage you? Don't let it be your family. Don't just look at the minister right now. Look at your life. I'm challenging all of us right now. Hear me. If you're going to give up something, give up what somebody else wants you to do so you have time with your family. Don't let the burden and pressure be on you to the point where you go, well, I got to be there. I got to do that. I got to, you don't have to do anything. You just don't give up what's necessary for the people. They can be disappointed. My babies aren't going to be disappointed. Now, you know, I have to apologize for enough as a dad. I don't want to be apologizing for things I can control. Right. Okay. So I'm just saying for all of us this morning, what's more important? Is it your job or your family? It's your family. You can get another job. They're a dime a dozen right now. Just look out there. They're everywhere. Nobody working. I mean, like, it's just, I don't know what's going on. Well, did a rapture happen and we just felt, did we not know about it? Are we all a bunch of sinners in here? What happened, you know? Where'd all these people go, right? I'm joking. Somebody don't take it so serious. I'm just kidding. I'm going to wrap up real quick. All right, ultimately, your family is your first mission field. All right, I, I talk about this. Reach the nations or reach your neighbor. Pick one. You've got to reach one. But let me tell you, first mission field you got is your family. If you've got kids in here, your most important mission field right now is your kiddos. 
Teach them, tell them about Jesus, love on them, give them examples, apologize when necessary, not too much, but when necessary. <laughs> do, do what you got to do, but let them know that Jesus is first, but, and I'm going to do my best to help be the best dad, best mom I can possibly be. And look, if you're single and you don't have kids, then go ahead, go start reaching your neighbor. Do a nation, whatever, reach out, go do it, yeah. But if you got kids and you have a, a spouse, your first priority is them, all right? So this is what Jesus said. Uh, in Mark 8, this is what I'm going to read to you a second ago. Mark 8, verse 34. He summoned the crowd to his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he's got to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So, it, again, it's not going to matter what you achieve in time and space here. What's going to matter is in eternity. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Watch this. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One pastor told me this one time. He said, Jody, uh, you know, he said, what shall it profit a man if he gains a whole world but loses his family? Because I'm a top A driven personality, man. Listen, I, I'm, on, I'm ready to roll. I'm on go anyway, right? I have to have stuff like that help me. If you're not, if you're like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, just whatever. Like, you just calm and nothing moves you. You're like, you don't get in a hurry. Like, there's no priority in life. You're just, you get up in the morning and you watch the birds and like, you know, you're just like, chill. Like, your blood pressure always runs below where it should be. You never throttle the needle. You know, you never get on the red. The red line for you is a, is a sin. Like, in your car, the red line's never to be touched. You think that's a danger zone. People like us, baby, we, we tested the limit, see what it would do. Like, it, how far can you go with the red line? I don't know. Let's see. That's me. So for me, I have to have stuff to say, slow down when necessary. Some of you might need a little kick in the pants. Let's get with it, you know? All right. Some of you don't, but anyway. What will it profit you, Jody? If you have multiple services, you reach all these people, you do all this stuff, what's it going to profit if you lose your kids? Will it really be worth it then? So I'm going to challenge you in the same concept I would hear as a minister. What will it profit you? If you can gain it all, man, put your list in order. If you get everything you want, if Santa Claus really delivers for you everything you want, but you don't have your kids in the end, will it really matter? It's not going to matter. But right before this verse is where Peter is rebuked by Jesus. I was going to tell you saying, you know, it's very interesting so right before this, Jesus is talking to Peter. It's that whole idea up in Caesarea Philippi where he's asking, who do people say that I am, right? Who do people say that I am? And so right before that, Peter says, well, you're the Christ. The Lord revealed it to him, and, and he seems like a hero, right? And then when Jesus says, all right, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die, Peter pulls him to the side and says, no, Lord, you can't go and do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus says to him, verse 33 of the same chapter, Mark 8, he turns around and seeing his disciples, he didn't pull them to the side. He didn't say it. Let me just, I don't want to offend you, so let's just do it real gentle and sweet. He looked around and seeing his disciples, he did not stop what he was about to say. Because he wanted them to learn the lesson too. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on, not, you're, you're, you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's interests. All Peter did, he was doing it, I, you know, when you read it, God bless him, he was trying to protect Jesus. That's all. But Jesus was so consumed 
with following the will of God. He looked at a friend and said, get behind me. You are more desire. You have the desire of the interest of man more than you do of God. Man, that hits me when I read that. I don't, I don't know, but for me, uh, man, am I in my relationship with God? Is it is that first, or am I more interested in what men think? Can I just break down? Come on, you got a few minutes. Can I just break down with you real quick, and I'll let you go. Does it matter, really, what sport your kid plays? That's the right answer. But why does it pressure us so much? Especially in this area. God forbid you don't do something. You know, I mean, you know, they'll look at you with, what does it matter? Like, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, right? But it does matter. What if you don't bake a cake for the PTO? Yeah, but they're all expecting me to do it. But you can't bake. Don't do it. Like, why take a chance? Just go to Sam's and pick up one of those things. Drop it off. Be done with it. Move on. But why? (laughs) Mom, I wasn't going to say anything. I was moving on. But why do it? You know you have like this much time to barely breathe. You are treading water right now at the very best. You are absolutely drowning in responsibilities and overcommitments and overbooked things that you should never have signed up and said I would do. And you are doing it and doing it and doing it more and more and more. And they've asked you to do one more thing. I'm not talking about anything. And don't blame the church because we ain't asked you to do a lot. You're 30, 40 minutes every week that you give to God here or whatever else like that. That's nothing. We all know what I'm talking about. You got way more. And you just keep doing it. Why? Because I don't want them to think that my kid's not a part. Well, what does it matter what they think? You have no margin for life whatsoever because of the burdens and commitments of what other people want you to do. The interests of man are greater than the interests of God. And I'm just challenging all of us this morning, if it doesn't matter, why are we worried about it then? Why are we worried about it? The last thing I'll wrap up with this, real quick, is Deuteronomy, he goes into our finances. So he says, your faith is important, your family is important, and your finances are important. And why? Because each one of these, if you don't have them in check, it affects your relationship with God. Every single Time. So briefly, real quick, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which would be awesome, which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you. That's the mercy and blessing of God. Make no apology for it. Great and splendid cities that you didn't build. Houses full of things you didn't fill. Sisters, cisterns, not sisters, cisterns which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. And you eat and you're satisfied. He says, watch yourself, that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. slavery. I, as a, I've been in this long enough. Let me tell you something right now. The greatest danger you might ever face, and I say this all due respect to the Lord and without being sacrilegious. I shouldn't say danger, but I will say the greatest challenge you might ever face is the blessing of the Lord. I'm serious. All throughout the Bible, you'll see the first generation, they're redeemed and pulled out of sin, destruction. They're pulled out by miracles. 
and they set things on fire, baby. The, the next generation, they're like, wow. And look what, they hear the stories. They saw it. They remember as kids, they saw part of it. By the third generation, they've all, they weren't there. By the third generation, they don't understand. They're just reading in a book. Might sound familiar. By the fourth generation, they've forgotten completely the sacrifice that the first generation gave. So they have no regard whatsoever. They think they're owed everything. Sound familiar? Now, I'm not picking on our young generation right now. I'm saying it's in our, all of us, it's in our culture. We all feel like we're owed something right now. We're not owed anything. None of us are owed anything. But with Israel, by the fourth generation, they forgot God and they went back into captivity. About every four generations is what happened. In a cycle, give or take. They forgot the Lord, their God. It does become possible to forget God when you gain more things in this time, life here. It, it will cause you to forget God. <clears throat> it doesn't happen overnight, but it does slowly affect our affections and their mood. And so Matthew, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19. I'll close it with this. Matthew six nineteen. Now, when I say this, I have to preface this. I just told you, I do not apologize for the blessing of the Lord of my family. I, I'm blessed. I really am. I'm blessed. Absolutely. I had a friend that was called me up this week, and I won't give any names and that kind of thing. But he told me, he said, through this time we've been talking, praying about different things. Like everybody's saying, you know, God's speaking to you in this. I'm glad. This is what he told me. He said, I have realized what I'm to do. What's that? Me and my spouse, we're givers. God has called us just to give away stuff. Like called us to make money and we're going to give it away. And I was like, well, praise Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, let me just sign you up. You know, like, can I get another Lord? You know, like, can I get one? Can I get a two? Can I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, yeah, let's do that. I need some more of that. Because he's, he said, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a this. What he's realized is what God called him to do. And for him, that's what he, he makes, let me just say this something real quick. People that have great wealth, they're very generous people. Don't buy into this idea that wealthy people are stingy like snobs. They're not. They're just really smart with their money. And they take their money and they leverage it to make more money. But if you take everything they got, they have no leverage to work with to make more. They're very generous people for the most part. Don't get mad about it. Ask God how to bless you. Again, it's looking at those guys. My neighbor. Well, it's not fair. Look at what they're driving. Well, who cares? Why does it matter what they have? Yeah, but I don't think, you know, guy over Kellogg's, he's making cereal. How come he makes billions of dollars? I don't know. Frosted Flakes must do well in America. I don't know. But why does it matter so much to you? Well, it just didn't right. He shouldn't have that much. Why? <laughs> why? Well, I don't know why. I just don't think he should. Well, that's not a good enough reason. What if he gives half of it away in his lifetime? What if by the time he's dead... He has nothing left and he's giving it all away. How do we know? We can't, I can't judge that. Anyway, all right, let me move on. Matthew 6, 19, it's a weird week. Anyway, Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves also uh, do not break in or steal. And this is the one that always gets me. For wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And guys, I'm going to lay it on the line for you right here in Christianity. And again, I'm, I'm literally, I am. This is it. Last, that's it. I'm wrapping up. Preachers say that three times in case you didn't know that before. That means. It's, 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 
Thank you. I appreciate that. I have missed you being here. I love it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If, as a Christian, I try to excuse this, it, it doesn't work. I, I've tried. I've tried. Well, you know, Lord, I, you know, you want me to do what? And my wife doesn't help a bit. Let me just say right now, she don't help at all. The Lord says, hey, let's get, I want you to do this. If I go to her and say, honey, I feel like the Lord wants us to give that. She's like, okay, you're no help at all. Like, <laughs> can I get some resistance of like, well, let's pray about it. No, for her, it's just, yeah, she would give it all away. I'm like, woman, I, so I don't even ask her. I wait for like multiple confirmations with the Lord first before. Okay, because I know she's going to say yeah, and then we're in agreement, so there that is, and now I'm definitely giving it away, you know? So it doesn't work, though. I found this out to be true. It doesn't work. can't argue with this scripture. If you want to know where your heart is, it's not about your prayer life. It is not. It's not about your commitment to your Bible study. It's not about doing experience in God, Bible reading. You can do all that stuff. I'm telling you right now, if you want to know where your heart is, pull your wallet out, look at the purse strings, and see what they're attached to. Well, there's Disney Plus over here, okay? So then there's a Netflix over there. Like, start counting them up, guys. There's whatever else is over there. Here's this one, here's that one, whatever. And ask yourself, how many purse strings go to things that are non-essential and are based in this time and space? And how many strings go to things that are eternal, that are based on eternity? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you got to be like living on breadcrumbs. The Lord does not want you to do that. He wants you to be blessed. But I just, just to be honest, if I have no strings attached in anywhere in the kingdom, that w- you can't argue this verse. I, you can't do it. it. It'll come back to get you every time. Because wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there. So I have one picture to show you here. Um, that Haley, she made this for me. Oh, man. I sometimes have to gauge the stuff that she makes. It sounds sad. Based on uh, floods in our life the last couple of years. This was made uh, after the last one, I think. Before the last one. So if you can read it, I think you can read it. Oh, yeah. So when I stand, it's like a shadow box. Now, I'm, uh, she did the graphic thing. All you guys like to build with wood. This is like wormwood. I found some, this is pretty cool stuff. Anyway, you can look at that later. So when I, <clears throat> when I stand before God, at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. This is in our bathroom downstairs. Uh, you call it bathroom or restroom? Which one do y'all call it at the house? Bathroom? Okay, sorry, squirrel. Bathroom. All right. That's what we call it too. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, everybody, you got to ask nowadays. Who knows what stuff's called? So um, this is in the restroom. So every morning, down the bathroom, restroom, laboratory, whatever you call it, uh, I see this every morning. Every evening I see this. And after this week, it really hit me pretty hard. And I thought, you know, my friends, they did that. And they wouldn't change a thing. Like, when I tell you, was their heart in what they did? Was their treasure there? Oh, my gosh. Y'all, they would give away... I mean, so much for the kingdom it is ridiculous. And I thought about our lives, and I thought, you know, when I, at the end of my life, man, what, 
do I have anything, do I have anything that God has gifted me with that I'm not using, that I'm not stewarding? So this morning I'm going to ask you that question too, as we take a moment just to think for a moment. And I'm going to you close your eyes and bow your head and think about this statement. At the end of my life, what is really going to matter more? Is it time or is it eternity? Is that which is temporary or that which is eternal? At the end of my life, when I stand before God, I would hope, I would hope that I could say, I used everything that you gave me, Lord. I used all that and I had no talent left. Not one thing left that you didn't grace me with that I used for the kingdom. So this morning while you're here, just in a moment of reflection, I want to ask you to think about this. Are there areas of your life, God wants a relationship with you that's personal. But I'm telling you, you've got to deal with your faith. If the past is haunting you, you've got to move on. You have got to move on. It is robbing you of all that God has for you right now. If it's not that, maybe it's in your family. You bought into this idea that, well, man, if I work really hard, if I push the envelope, if I, if I burn, as my grandmother used to tell me, if I burn the candles at both ends, then you know what? I can really get ahead. And once I get there, then I'll be able to do something for God. But I'm just telling you, you, you're not, it's not going to work. You, just, you can't. Script, my grandma would call it, you can't, Jody, son, like I told you, I've lived on the red line most of my life. Jody, you can't burn the candle at both ends, son. You just can't do it. Scripture would say it is foolish for you to rise early in the morning and stay up late at night and eat the bread of sorrow. For the Lord is the one that makes the <coughs> blessing. The blessed Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Life is one of those things where it, it'll take everything you got if you let it. So maybe this morning you need to adjust your family. And I don't mean it like you can't work. I don't mean it like you can't provide. I don't mean any of that. I'm just saying your family is so important that God says, your relationship with me first and then your family next. It's got to be there. He wants that relationship with them. And the last thing I would say is your finances. You know, Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. It's true. And this morning, man, it's one of those things where I know Christians get tore up about it. And I don't mean to kind of ruffle your feathers or put a burr in your saddle or whatever favorite colloquialism you like to say. But it's the truth. I'm so thankful. Since 2000, I'm so thankful that our church gave and sacrificed and put aside the income that came in to give to Jim and Bonnie. I have no regrets whatsoever. I think back on times like this and I go, what if I would have been like just said no? What if when he asked, I just would have been in a, one of those moods and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think about all the kingdom work that would not have been done. And today I just, I'm just grateful, grateful to have been a part. And so while you're here this morning, while you're thinking about these things, I want to ask you if you're here and your relationship with Christ isn't where it should be or you don't know Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. And the whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself, but I want to pray with you right now. The scriptures say, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So right now, I want you to do that with us. The whole church is going to pray, but if you're here and you say, I don't know Christ, 
I don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and to cleanse me of all sin, all guilt, and all shame. I leave that behind. And I trust you for my future. In Jesus' name. I make you Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, would you give my hand, please? <clears throat> Listen, we're so glad you joined us. Specifically, if you prayed that prayer, I think it's important that you, you know, move on forward. The Lord doesn't want you to live in your life where you were. It's time to move on. It's time to move forward. You can't live in the past. You can't hang on to stuff that... And if other people are holding you, you know, captive to that, you might need some new friends. You know, my friends don't hold stuff over my head. That's not my friend. Anybody sit there and hold stuff over you, get some new friends. Um, but, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And so this morning, uh, if you pray that prayer, we want to help you get started walking with God. If you're a guest with us, we'd love to help you get to know more about the church. Maybe join a small group. Maybe get to know some things about the church. You can fill this out on digitally, connect.cornerstonerome.com. Or in the seat back in front of you, there's a card you can pick up and fill that out. Drop it off in the offering box on your way out the door. Um, and we'd be glad to get in touch with you on that. Um, as well, don't forget that uh, before we go, um, just remember to pick up a prayer bracelet out in the uh, in the lobby out there. When you go out, it'll be on the, the table out there, the big round table, half moon table, whatever it is. Um, pick that up, and that way you'll be praying for um, for our students this coming up weekend. They will start this weekend, like not Sunday. They'll start Friday, stand at people's houses and all that. So we just ask you to pray for them. And so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now, and I'll ask our prayer team. They'll come down front, and uh, our prayer team will be down here with you. If you need prayer for something specific in your life that maybe we didn't cover today, maybe there's some things that you're thinking about that uh, you need some help with, you see you need somebody to pray and agree with you in prayer, um, just come down here. These, these individuals would love to, to pray with you uh, this morning. <clears throat> and before we go, we'd love to speak this over your, um, over your life. This is out of Numbers uh, chapter 6. And I would just encourage you when we do this to, um, we'll put it on the screen for you, just to pray and speak this over your own family every, every week. This is, a, this is the blessing of the Lord that God told uh, Moses. Have Aaron speak this over the children of Israel. This is not a Jody thing. This is out of your Bible, and this is anointed of God. And so when we say this, this is the blessing of God. Just speak it over your own family, not just you know at church here. So let me just pray this over you before we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you his peace. Uh, God bless you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy your small groups, and then uh, don't forget a prayer break on the way out. You're dismissed. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.